Hello and welcome to Diary of a Sex Therapist. My name is Elizabeth Akwenli. At Diary of a Sex Therapist, our goal is to be our most spiritual, smart and sexy self. Oh, by the way, this is my diary, so you'll get to hear a lot of my stories while you stay here. We've been having series after series in recent times. We did have the Nakedness is Next to Godliness series. Then we had Staying in Your Core and now we are on the body series. Body. Your physical body. Yeah. (laughs) A lot of people have expectations on their bodies. Some expectations they give birth to themselves. Some expectations other people pushed it on them. You have to look a certain way. Society has defined over the years, over the decades, how a man ought to look like, how a woman ought to look like, what a hot man is, what a sexy woman is. And there's been all forms of definitions that have affected our self-esteem as we go. And that's what we're going to be tackling in this series. What expectations do you have of your body? Where did those expectations come from? Why do those expectations matter? Recently, I did ask a couple of teenagers if you could be sexy or healthy, what would you pick? Ah, Auntie Lizzie, I know I should be healthy, but if there is a waist trainer or a waist belt that will make my belly fat go away, I'm going to take it instead of go exercise. So literally, a group of people know their bodies are unhealthy. They don't walk it, they don't eat right, they don't sleep right. They know, but they would rather have an appearance for the short term that might land them in the hospital in the long term. And it's not just these people I've spoken to. It's a whole lot of us out here. In Sexuality Code, a class we have at the office, Laser Express Consult, we asked our students the picture of a sexy person. And we found out our students who were 20 years, people who were 22 and below, had a tendency to point out Korean men. You know, slim legs, catwalks, long hair. They had the tendency to do that. People who were 23 above, this is just in our class, not enough statistics, but within our students. People within our, who were 23 and above had a tendency to look at chiseled abs, tall, dark, and handsome. When you follow the trend, you notice these were things that were projected media-wise, as at the time these people were growing. Now, we grew up to watching, I grew up to watching Arnold Schwarzenegger, Steven Seagal, uh, Dolph Lundgren. And you know how these men were, these men were built, uh, Van Damme and the rest of them. While these movies are old movies, they were still available for our consumption. It defined what we felt, oh, a strong man looks like. Do you understand? Whatever you think you know about your body is not exclusive of the information you've received over a period. Maybe in the songs you listened to, the movies you watched, the elders around you, the way they spoke about men, the way they spoke about women, their ideologies. It's not exclusive of those environments. In fact, our tendency to respect or disrespect a thing is dependent on how we were raised to think about it. There's a powerful role, not your place. So if you grew up like I did, Dogs were pets and rats were pests. Aren't they all animals? But it's the way we're raised to see them. Whereas somewhere in the world, there's a child growing up with a rat in a cage as a pet. Wow. Growing up. The things you were exposed to, the knowledge you were exposed to. So if you must change anything, including the way you attend to your body, 
it becomes important that you understand what your script, your body script is. Your body script is how you perceive your body, how you know your body, how you judge your body. It's by those scripts. If you grow up in an environment where a woman's hips was defined as beautiful or a woman was um, called sexual or fertile by the way she had huge hips and big bum, you would most likely feel intimidated if you don't have those things. But what we don't understand or what we refuse to acknowledge is that we have different body shapes. Let's start with that. We all have different body shapes. Even if we all ate the exact same things, go to the gyms, did the exact same exercise, even if we all ate the exact food, go to the gym, do the exact exercise, have the same coach train all of us, guess what? We'd all come out with different body shapes. Because we have naturally different body shapes. Our boobs don't come out the exact way. I don't know how your body formed, but I knew as I came into puberty, one of the things that happened was that my waist expanded and it was, it was crazy. It was almost frustrating. One of those days I was walking on the street and I met this old friend. He used to be a senior. Not, he wasn't such a friend. He was an old acquaintance, but he was older than me. So he was like a street bro and stuff like that. He was talking to his friend. I passed only for me to hug him from the side. And he goes, Oh my waist don't be go. Jump stand. It was embarrassing. So see the grouch open. I just I, I, so I can sink inside. What? I know. Don't tell me. I know. So if you knew me growing up, you would have known I was always trying to cover my body. And it didn't help that by the time I got to 15, my boss was all over the place. Oh goodness. I was skinny. I was skinny and my waist was just going here and the boobs was going there. And what's happening? What's all this nonsense? Can this thing just stop? <laughs> oh my goodness, my frustrations as a teenager. Can this thing just stop? I mean, this is too much attention. I'm just trying to be 15 and live well. I just want to live. I just want to breathe well without people looking at me down the road like I'm some... Whatever it is, they're looking at me like I'm... I don't like the way they're looking at me. Can this thing just stop? I remember an older adult came to ask my mom, are you sure boys are not touching this girl? Because this was just a big like this. It was just puberty. It was just puberty. Because, yeah, at 20 in particular, I had mature. My workload had come in. My food type had changed. Oh, mind you, growing up as a teenager, I had a great, I had a great health um, focus growing up. My dad used to wake up every morning and go outside to lift his dumbbells and do a bit of press-ups. And since I was the first child and I was way older than my younger ones, that was our sports. I would always work out with my dad. So it wasn't something someone had to motivate me to do as an adult, even though I did abandon the habit at some point because I felt it was giving my body too much attention. Like I looked too good in quotes. Or at least people made me feel bad about it. And I didn't realize that was them acting on their own body script on how a woman should look. Now, back to bonding with my dad on those things and being very health conscious. I began to pay attention to health issues my parents had, blood pressure, um, family, extended family members who were diabetic, someone who had um, asthma. I began to see health issues around me. So I made up my mind that this was not going to be me. I went to boarding school and by the time I returned, I had my friend who was in the same junior secondary school with me now had blood pressure. She had blood pressure at about 13, 14. No, 14, yeah, 14 going to 15. She had blood pressure. I didn't know that someone who was my age could actually have high blood pressure. It didn't occur to me that high blood pressure wasn't something older people had, that it was something anybody could have. 
I didn't know that. So when I came back and I heard she had high blood pressure, it freaked me out. So I became extra conscious. I became extra conscious of my sugar. I became extra conscious of my weight. I was very conscious of my BMI. It wasn't about any other person. By the time I was 16, I had hit 63 kg. And I was just 5 feet, 5 feet 4, 5 feet 3. I told a friend who was in the pharmacy or something. And he told me not to go beyond 60 because of my height and BMI, blah, blah, blah. I'm saying all this to say the environments we grow in counts. Now, as I grew up in those environments, I began to hear other people's opinions. The person who thought a guy was pressing my breast, that's why I was getting bigger breasts. Someone who had an issue with me because I was too young to carry those type of breasts around. Mind you, the breasts just vanished. It just woke up one morning and vanished. Yes, as I grew older, it just... Phew. And then my body wasn't the perfect eight. It went from being figure eight in court. It went from being the hourglass cello shape to being pure. I have a smaller upper body and a bigger lower body. As an 18, 19 year old, the distance between my waist and my hips was a standard 12 to 10 inches, 10 to 12 inches consistently. And then when I began to grow tummy because I abandoned the things I used to do, it reduced to about nine inch, but it was never lesser than nine. See, that is biology. It's biological. It's not something I ate into. It's not something I walked out into. It's just death, biological. Some of us can honestly tell that regardless of the things we've eaten, the things we've done, we retain a certain body look. Peer body shape people have a smaller upper body, a larger lower body. We have people who have a squared upper body. They are almost equal, almost straight from top to their midsection. Right, We have people who have what most people like to chase, the hourglass shape. But mind you, hourglass shape sometimes is not even in the way you look. Is that statistically, if we put a tape rule through you, you will be same number bust length, bust measurement, and same number hip measurement. That is the hourglass. It's not really what we see sometimes. So there are very slim people who actually have the hourglass shape. Very, very slim people, but they actually have the hourglass shape. It's just society and media has conditioned us to see hourglass as that extraordinary large um, hips that's coming down the road. That's not necessarily what it is. And everybody is not hourglass. Hourglass is tiny waist, huge hips. The average African woman is not particularly hourglass. She's more cello shaped, looking like the hourglass, but with a wider waist. So there's the genetic part of this thing. There's the part you can exercise, but it becomes unnecessary expectation when you're trying to force your body to shift from one natural size or one natural dimension into another shape. It makes no logical sense. You could work your glutes. Yes, you could work your glutes and your thighs and your bum looks um, more visible and more firm, right? It becomes more pronounced. You could do that. But you cannot compare that to someone who naturally has ass. It doesn't matter how much work you do. There is that difference. What you struggle to do, they have naturally. I remember squatting in school and one lady said, oh, no wonder you have bum. I'm like, uh, no, that's not why. I squat because it's good for my thighs. It's good for my back. That's not, that's not, I'm not squatting for bum, man. You need to come to my house. That thing is all over the place in my house. It's all over. It doesn't matter the age, like it's, it's just all over the place in my house, babe. Don't say that thing again, it's an insult to my ancestors. <laughs> when, she, I, when she said it, I found it hilarious, like, no, babe, no. So it's not squat. Even if you squat, you ain't getting this. 
Can exercise help? Yes, but it's unnecessary expectations to put on your body. I don't know if this happens in any other country, but right now in Nigeria, people buy oils. Oils for bone growth. I don't know how they came up with the wonderful idea, but oil for your bum? How? How is it supposed to work? When you rubbed the oil on your hand and then you put it on your bum, in the words of someone on Twitter, how did the oil know the difference between your hand and your bum bum? When they say a man's hand on your breast makes the breast grow, how does the breast know the difference between your own hand and a man's hand? See, we have to... If we expect to enjoy the best of our bodies, then we must honor our body the way it is. We must... We must not take our bodies out of their natural environment and force them to be something that it is not. It becomes really important that we don't force our body to become what it is not. It's like trying to make a fish walk on land. It doesn't matter how hard it tries. It will always appear incompetent. That's why some of us have been dieting for 5-10 years and we've still not figured this thing out. It's possible that you're using wrong technique or speaking to the wrong professional or trying out every recipe on the internet instead of talking to a professional. There's that possibility. But is there also a possibility that you're trying to force your body out of its natural space, out of its natural shape? So your assignment from this podcast today is to get a tape roll or go to a designer, a tailor around you. Let them measure you. Like measure every part of your body. There are websites that allow you impute your statistics and you can tell what body shape you have. Or you could just go read up on body shapes and see which one fits you. Some of us don't even know our hips measurement or our waist measurement. So we don't even know what we are trying to fight there. Some of us don't even know why we have belly fat. Were you always someone who was big? Or is it because you eat wrong? Some of us are big as we grew up because our eating habits as a family was terrible. There's that part. But there's also the part where your body has a natural place. If you stay in the natural place of your body and add the best of fashion to it and the best of style to it and the best of diet to it and the best of exercise to it, you will enjoy your body more. You will rock it more. You'll be more confident. You'll appear more sexy. You'll be more appealing. And it doesn't matter how many hours you pray. If you do not love your body, if you do not acknowledge your body's shape, you won't be your best self physically. You will quote scriptures, but you will still have low body esteem. You will still devalue your body. You will still not appreciate your body. You will still not come to your body as your best sexual self. You will still not come to your partner in your best sexual self because you feel you are unattractive and unappealing by the definitions of other people and media. Most of the things we crave were not always there. I mean, shaving armpits is a recent thing. It wasn't always the thing for people to do. Shaving pubic hair was not always a thing to do. Some of the things we even brag about are things people learned in pornography. Literally, people learned them in pornography. And then now it's a cultural norm. There's a benefit of vagina hair. That pubic hair you're trying to shave off as a lady. There's a, bi- there's a biological benefit for it. I'm not going to tell you. Go and read up on it. There's a biological benefit to your pubic hair. So when you take it out, I wonder if you have plans to replace that benefit you took out because you want vagina to look a certain way. I've gone online and see people say they want to doubt their vagina. A particular lady was asking on Cora or so years ago, like, is Cora one of those ask a question accounts about eight, nine years ago? Is he up to that? 
Yeah, she came online and was saying and was asking a question about how she can make her vagina smell like a garden. If you want a garden, plant one. But not your vagina. There's no soil there. There's no root you're putting there. It's a vagina. It's supposed to smell like a vagina. I don't know what garden you're trying to raise. But someone somewhere put that crazy idea in her head. A potential sexual partner or an active sexual partner or a friend, a group of ignorant people put the thought in her head. She saw something that triggered the question and now she's putting herself under pressure to have a vagina that smells like a garden. See, what's going to happen is she's going to end up buying one douching product that they claim to have verified, that gynecologists have verified because that's what they usually write on top of those products for her to use on her vagina. And she's just going to tamper with the natural pH of her vagina, exposing herself to more infections than Lanta in the hospital. That's what we do because we don't understand the natural configuration of our body. And that's what I'm going to be doing in this series. So if you don't like to be raw, you might not like this one. I'm not trying to be sexual. I'm not trying to sexualize you. I'm just trying to help you understand how these things work. Because you cannot be your sexy self and disrespect your body, disregard your body, disregard the way the Lord has configured you. It's impossible. You can't feel sexy. You can't be sexy. You can't give off sexy. You can't be sexually present with whoever your partner is. If you're married, you can't. It's impossible. You would always withhold a part of your body because you feel it's not good enough. And you defeat the purpose when you do that. I hope this has helped you. Don't forget to check your statistics this week. Go to a tailor, measure yourself, check your body shape, go to the pharmacy, check your weight, check your height, find out your BMI because we'll be needing those statistics next week. Until next week Friday, guys, thank you for tuning in. I'm Elizabeth Aquinley. Don't forget to follow me on social media, on Instagram and Twitter at Minister Lisa. And check out my website at www.ministerlisa.xyz. Bye.